Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. It is great to have you here. I need to set the record straight. Josh, it's raining out. It's not sunny. It's not ounces of sunshine. If you're watching online, it's raining here. Boo. We want the sunshine. Yes, we do. Anyhow, just correct that. We want to make sure that we hold on to as much sunshine as possible. Anybody else agree? Good. Otherwise, we're all going to Hawaii, people. That's the way this works. Well, get your Bibles out, get your notes out, get your apps out. We're going to jump right in. We're in a series that's called The Creed. And if you look around the room and you notice maybe next to you is somebody you don't recognize, maybe they're a first-time guest, or it could be that Brampton is in the house today. So we have Brampton with us today. Yeah, big hand to our Brampton campus. Some of you are going, Why? Well, let's find out. We have Pastor Josh over there, Pastor Rick over there. Come on up, guys. You're going to join me. We're, uh, <clears throat> we got pastors in the house, so we're going to have them join us today. There is one exceptionally excited clapper. Was that you, Dwayne? That was you. Okay, good. So we thought if we got Brampton in the house, let's do this together. We are one church, one message, many expressions, but because we're together, so... You know, Rick, some of us, we have family where young people, young adults leave, they come back, they leave, they come back, they leave. What's going on? We, we just can't get enough of this place. Oh, so that, that's okay. why we're back. No, we got uh, an email this week saying that our facility was going to be unavailable due to some of the labor situations going on. So we thought, we just, we're just going to come back here and just like, a, just like a young adult coming back, we just, can we come back for a few weeks until we get our feet in the ground? And then we no, we have a, <laughs> we, we have a plan in place, then we uh, will have a location that we'll be able to announce that we're, where we will be meeting uh, starting October the 20th. But for two weeks, w- whether that's back at the school or whether that's somewhere else, but uh, for the next two weeks, we will be here. And we've been meeting with our ministry partners and making sure that we're just staying on mission and staying the journey uh, wherever we are. So work to rule and all the strikes, they affect us when we rent school facilities. And so here's how we quickly adapt. Now, you got your leaders together on Wednesday night. You guys had a little bit of a conversation. And uh, was there a conversation about Israel wandering in the wilderness? Was that part of the illustration? That's right. And that makes this place slavery in Egypt. So (laughs) we left slavery. We went out. And now we're stuck. The words expressed by Pastor Rick do not necessarily reflect the opinions of everyone else here. That's called job security. Uh, It's called the bitter waters of Mara. That's what I'm hearing. Well, Brampton, good to have you in the room. Nice to have you back home. It's great we can do this. I, I love the fact that we partner in. You know, church planting means sometimes you have to forge through the challenges, but we're doing it to help people find their way back to God. So thank you for your resolve, your commitment, and those of you that are part of our Brampton family, uh, continue to lean in and support. We've got exciting days. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Well, as you have your Bibles in front of you, you got your notes. We're in a series that's called The Creed. And so we've been looking at some of what are the foundational things that we believe that we hold on to because we're finding today 
Many people are, it's the option menu. I'll pick and choose where I want to go, what I want to believe, how I want to live. And when you come back to Scripture, you recognize something that foundationally we cannot alter the truth of the Scripture. So we need to understand, does our belief system line up with what Scripture teaches us? Because what we believe determines how we behave. And if we're believing incorrectly, we're going to behave incorrectly. We want you to be the best when it comes to your understanding of faith and following Christ and to be a disciple. So we talked about what it means to believe in God, to believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about the, the Holy Catholic Church, not the Catholic Church, the Holy Catholic Church, remember that? So you're all going like, well, what did that mean? And we took the word literally, Catholic means universal. So today we're just going to continue that same thing, and we're going to talk about one of the other creeds, which says, I believe in the communion of the saints, but we're not talking about communion. <laughs> so you don't have to worry, there's no communion cups down front, there's no bread. So you go, well, why would you use the word communion? Well, communion is an interesting word because it unites the entire family of God since the inception of the church, Jesus, right through until the return of Christ. Now, don't miss this. We often think of the church as representative of this moment in time. So you drove to church today, you came to church online, if you're living in Mississauga, we know what you're doing, but uh, those of you around the world, thank you, it's good to have you join us. But when you came to church, if you drove, many of you, you passed all kinds of churches, we did. We drove through different neighborhoods, there were different stru structures, steeples, bells, architecture, some were in commercial buildings, some were in typical church buildings, some were in homes, some were in storefronts. None are in schools. None? <laughs> no, well, apparently not this weekend. And maybe in next weekend, we'll see. But as they do meet together, that's what the church does. And I think it would be fascinating if we could do a Google Earth look at the church when it's moving towards its place of worship. Wouldn't it be great just to see globally as the church begins to move out, to join together? So those local communities, whatever name tag they hang, hang on them, so whatever persuasion of faith they prefer to align to, to see the church moving towards its gathering point, if we could collectively see that, then back up from that picture as you're looking at the world and go back to the beginning when Christ ascended and then up to the time when Jesus said, and I'm going to return back. And you look at the collective gathering of saints, those who lived before, those who live now, and those who, if Christ tarries, will live until his return. That's what we mean when we talk about the communion of the saints. It is this collective body, the gathering. And there are some core things that we unite together around. And so what we want to do together, we're going to do the communion of the pastors. There's no dead ones up here. But we're going to do the communion of the pastors. And we're going to speak to the communion of the saints, but we're going to look at something different. We want to look at it. What is it about the church? What is it about this, this community that's so unique? And we're going to drive into this to go, if we could look from first century AD, and let's say Jesus tarries, and let's go up to 2100, what would be the distinguishing marks or features that would still define us as the community of believers together. And we're going to boil that down into some that we believe are really essential for. So in Ephesians, if you have your Bibles open, we're going to read in chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul says this. <clears throat> he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. 
Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and is living through all. So in this dynamic presentation of what the body of Christ looks like from Paul's perspective, now let's unpack it over thousands of years and understand what is it that calls us to be this community or communion of the saints. So when we ask the question, what does it mean to be the communion of saints or the community, the body of Christ? First, I think it means this one word. It's captured here, the word servant. But what that means as you unpack it is that we belong to God. Now, those two words may not seem to be connected at first. And maybe we, we balk at the idea of, you know, servanthood when it comes to our faith and our relationship with God. Now, on the one hand, when we say something like we belong to God, we can accept that fairly easily. We get the fact, we love the idea that God has called us, that we are his sons and his daughters, that we are in relationship with our Heavenly Father, and so we belong to him. But how that translates to a place where we are servants may be something that we struggle with. But if you look at your Bibles, and in our key text that Pastor Doug just read, look at the first verse again. It says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, here in this verse, Paul is setting up the context of his situation and the fact that he's in prison for the sake of following Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but if you are running a political election, uh, telling people that you're in prison for what you're doing is probably not the best way to get people on board. You're not saying, hey, look at me, follow me, I, I'm in prison, and you can be too. No, that's probably not the best way to get people on board. So why is Paul saying, hey, I am a prisoner for Christ? When you look at what he's saying here is that in spite of my present circumstances, in spite of where I find myself, I still find it worth the calling that is on my life. It is still worth being a child of God and all that that means to me. And so when Paul encourages the reader here, he says, lead a life worthy of your calling. No matter what the cost may be, no matter how it affects you, no matter what you will have to sacrifice, lead a life worthy of the calling because you have been called by God. Now, all of a sudden, yes, it may not be the, the great slogan, but all of a sudden, Paul has this intrigued. Because now you're saying, Paul, even though you're in prison, there is something worthwhile in your relationship with God. There's something worthwhile to being called a son or a daughter of the Most High. And to be able to live that life out, there's something good in there? Okay, well, tell me more and help me explain what that might be. Well, first of all, what does it mean to be called by God? In John chapter 3, verse 16, probably the most common verse and famous verse that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So the calling is for all people. All people have the opportunity to come into relationship with him. Now, not all may respond to the call, but we have all been called. And if we do respond, if we do say yes to that gift of forgiveness, if we say yes to Jesus, then we enter into a relationship with him, and now we belong to God. But if we belong to him, then what does that mean for our life? How do we respond? 
In light of what it means to be called by God, Paul pleads with us to lead a life worthy of that calling. So how do we respond? Romans chapter 12, verse 1, if you look in your Bible or down in your notes, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So if we belong to God, and the idea is to be a servant, then what this means is the posture of our heart should be like that of a servant. And our desire should be to live our life sacrificially. Now, the idea of living uh, a life sacrificially is, is described even in the Old Testament. What does it mean to live a, way, uh, live a life that is of sacrifice? Now, even the idea of sacrifice we see displayed in the Old Testament, where the Israelites worshiped God through animal sacrifice. That was part of their expression of worship and awe and adoration to God. Now, animal sacrifice is not part of our uh, expression of worship, but we live our lives differently. We live a life in a way that is sacrificial. We live in a way that we die to ourselves. We die to what it is that I want in my life. We live in such a way that we say, it's not my agenda, it's my, not my hopes and dreams. I live for what God would have for me. I live in such a way that my life is what God would have and would do through me. And so if we are to live in such a way that we are living sacrifice, what does that mean? Well, in a normal sacrifice, you kill the animal that would be on the altar, but we are called to be living sacrifices, and this is a unique thing to, for us to understand, something important, because the problem with a living sacrifice, the problem with being alive while you die to yourself, is that we have the tendency to crawl off the altar. Because when we look at what it costs to be a true follower of God, when we look at what it means to say, this is what I need to give up of myself, to be God's servant, to make his way higher than my own way, we can struggle with what it means to truly give up of myself. But we are called to be servants. A few weeks ago when I, had, uh, when I was preaching here uh, on this very stage, I was talking about, you remember the different types of ways that we, that we view God. You know, for some it's like the toy truck, and it's the way that we look at God as the one who fixes our problems. Or maybe like the apple, representative of a teacher. You know, we see that Jesus teaches us great things in Scripture, and we love that. Or maybe we've had the privilege of coming to know Jesus personally, knowing God personally, and he's like a life jacket or life preserver, and so uh, he's the one who saved us. But our hope is that all of us would come to a place where Christ is our king, and he is Lord of our entire life, and it impacts every part of our life. Well, there's another now. I mean, there's so many different ways it can view the, the way that you view God. For example, we know, and Scripture is clear, about how we are the friend of God, and I think about, you know, those French bracelets you used to share when you were growing up. I don't know if... That's yeah. sweet, Josh. Thank you. <laughs> I'm still waiting for theirs. They haven't given me their friend. That's fine. It's okay. But we have those friendship bracelets. And what's neat is that Scripture tells us we are the friend of God. And then what an incredible place for God to call us his friends. But we can become so familiar with who God is. We can say, yes, he's our friend that we lose the awe and the reverence of Christ being our king. And the fact that, no, yes, he is my friend. He's called me to that. But I, my heart, my approach to him is that I am his servant. 
I serve the kingdom of God. I serve what it is that God has called me to do. And so a healthy relationship with God is one that values all these different aspects. Yes, he's a teacher. He's a fixer. He's your savior. He's your king. He's your friend. But we are also like a servant. And Jesus displayed this for us. You remember the story where he washed the feet of the disciples. He took a towel just like this, and he said, I am going to be a servant. I'm going to model what it means to be a servant. Now, for us in our day and age, we don't go around washing people's feet, although, Rick, you know, if you want to, I'm, I'm game. It's fine. You just let me know. <laughs> but maybe more so, like, when you go to a nice fancy restaurant and you see the waiter coming by with a towel around, this is symbolic of the fact that I am here to serve you. And so in our own way, when we think about what it means to serve God and to be a servant, how are we putting our heart in the proper posture to say that, yes, I am going to live in such a way that my life honors and worships God. Uh, a few weeks back, we were talking about, uh, you know, the fact that I believe in Jesus. And yes, Jesus models how we live in such a way that, uh, that we live sacrificially, that we live as servants of one another. And so when he humbled himself, he was not only showing what it was like to live like a sacrifice, to live sacrificially, even to the point of death on a cross. You know, we talked about that passage in Philippians chapter 2, that he humbled himself like a servant. This is what God has called us to as well, to live in such a way that we sacrifice ourselves for the sake of God's kingdom. So servant, humility, obedience, all of these things describe a life that worships and honors God through service. And Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 describes this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so when we embrace the fact that we've been called to be servants, then we realize, you know what, I need to live this out. How am I living that out? Well, God has gifted you. God has put heart, a heart of passion for, and a desire to, to serve into the needs of our church family or maybe into your community or around the world. God has given you gifts. And maybe you are still on a journey of discovering what that is. You know, we are offering the SHAPE course in just a few weeks' time where you can go on a journey of discovering what it means to, to fulfill the calling that God has on your life and how that expresses itself through the gifts and talents and passions that God has given you. But we don't do this alone. We don't serve out in our gifts and our callings on our own. We do it because we are called to do it together. So that's a first characteristic of what it would look like to be in community and we would recognize the church when we see people in service. And the second word picture we want to give you is one of family. We not only belong to God, and we do that through our service, we're family and we belong to each other. Next weekend is a long weekend. Who's looking forward to a day off of work? Hands up. Hands up. You're really looking forward to a day off of work. Okay. Who is looking forward to a great meal? Hands up. Who is looking forward to spending hours upon hours in the same room as every one of your extended family members? Hand. <laughs> Wow, there's a few of you. Good for you. It's not, it's not as straightforward of an answer, is it? Because families are, families are very complex. Families have lots of different issues. And we know that we love probably 80, 85% of the people in our family. And then there's that 15 to 
there, or maybe even just one, but there's always just that one weirdo that's in every one of our families, right? <laughs> and you, you have a, a picture right now of that person. And if you don't, you may be that weirdo. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Family is this unique thing where, where we don't have a say in who our family is, do we? You're born and your parents were just that you just came out like, these are my parents. I guess this is, this is who I'm going to be in family with. And oftentimes we'll even blame who we are on our family. We'll say, well, I act this way because that's what my mom always does. Or I look this way and I get that trait from my dad. And we, sometimes we could say, I would be a totally different person if I had different parents. But we don't get that say because that's how family works. And then if you're, if you're firstborn, any, any firstborns? in the room. You're, you're the first one. And your, your parents had perfection, right? They had the two of them and you, and then they just made subpar versions of you afterwards when you had, when you had siblings, and they probably didn't even ask you, did they? They just said, we're going to have more children, and you didn't get a say that yeah, if, if you had your way, you would have said, mom and dad, we're good. Like, don't add to this family. You're just messing things up. We're just watering down the, the perfection that we had in this, in, in this family. And then, and then the family continues to grow. And you, you, you've probably, in the last year, you've probably been to a family wedding. Now, how many of you were consulted for your niece or nephew's choice of spouse? Anyone? And, and maybe that's the weirdo that's coming into your family. You're up there looking like, why is she marrying him? I don't know that. I want that person in our family. And then at Thanksgiving, you're going to have to host him over at your house. And you didn't get a say. That's the way family works. We start adding people in and and you're forced to live with these people, even though you don't have input into who's coming into the family. So then you get the bright idea. You're like, I didn't get to choose my parents. I didn't get to choose my siblings. I didn't get to choose who married into my family. I can make people on my own. I can, I can make little versions of mini-me's and they will be perfect, wonderful people that will save this family. So you go into the production of children making and all of that and nine months later, out comes this mini-version of, of you and you're like, this family is going to get better now. Except something went wrong. They're, 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 they're crying and they're loud and they're messy and you're like, they must have more of my wife in them than they do of me. This is obviously... What's happened in our family? We get it, though, right? Families aren't always as perfect as we would want them to be. And if, if we could pick and choose, I want you, you, and you in my family, then we would think, well, that's, that's how we should live life. But, but no, family is a group of people figuring out how to celebrate the highest of highs and new life and, and, and times of celebration and walking through the lows of lows and conflict, and we do that in relationship. And this is the picture that Paul uses to describe the church. And he says, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, then you need to be able to say, I believe in the communion and the connectivity of the church, celebrating the highs and highs and the lows and lows, the normals and the weirdos, all together in relationship. And, and we, we, here's what we see, Ephesians 4, 4 and 3. It says, make every effort this is in our key text. Keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Look up and down the rows of the, of the people meeting here. And if you're watching online, just look who's ever else in, in the room with you. And these are the people that you're to be united with, that you're to live life with, that you're to give yourself to. And you probably came to this community at some point not because of this community. You didn't, you didn't come to church because of who was in the church. You came 
looking for a relationship with God. You came because something in your spirit said, I need to know who God is. I, I, I need to know my creator. I, I, I've been hearing about how, how he loves me, wants to have a relationship with me. That's why you come. But then you come into a family, and Jesus said that the entire law, all of scripture was summed up in two verses, two thoughts, love God and love these people. And this is, the, this is a trait that should extend through church, through cities, through cultures, through time, that we are connected. We are in community, united with one another. When he was writing to the Romans, Paul took it deeper. He said, each member belongs to all the others. That's in your notes, Romans 12 and 5. You belong to each other. You don't have a choice, but you belong to each other. In verse 10, he said, be devoted to one another. Honor each other above yourselves. Last week, we talked a little bit how some people in our culture have made it okay to say, you know, I believe in Jesus. I'm just not so sure that I believe in the church. And we said, there's no way that those two things can exist. To love God means you love his church. And to love his church means you love each other. And we're devoted to one another. And we honor one another. And listen, if the church, if the followers of Jesus could figure out how to live a life like Paul's describing, then nobody would ever say, I believe in God, but not the church. <laughs> because the church would be the most attractive community that anyone could want to be a part of. They would say, I- I'm not even sure about what, who God is, but I want to be a part of that community. Because that's a community that their social media feeds aren't all about them and selfies. It's about all the other amazing people in their lives. Or, or th- this, is not, th- this is a world where people tear each other down so that they can get ahead. They're, they'll We've been watching it through the, through the political campaign over the last month. We'll release scandals about other people so that our position is elevated. And the church is a place that says, no matter what scandal my brothers and sisters go through, I stand by them, I support them, I love them, and I help them recover no matter what the cost is. That's the kind of community that Paul was talking about. And for us to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus means I have to have faith, I have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, Son of Man, uh, 100% God, 100, 100% man, and he's, and he's risen, and he's, he's, he's now in me. I have to believe in the church, and I have to believe in the communion of each other. And this is family, so it will not be easy. The reason why some of you didn't raise your hands about, I'm excited about my extended family getting together next weekend, is because you know there will be difficult moments. That's how families function. And there will be difficult moments in this family. But we belong to each other. And if you want to be a follower of Jesus, we need to remember that above all, uh, th- that not only that we belong to him, but we also belong to each other. You know, it's powerful when you, you look at the two words, what it means to be a servant, because I think we've lost that. And Josh, that, that was a great reflection to bring it back, that somehow we've elevated the status of friendship with God and we forgot what it is that, no, I'm, I owe everything to God. I'm his servant. And move it across into family And those two words, you know, so define many of the comments I hear about our church. I hear people talk about the church, how they just see people serving in, and they can't understand why. And then they talk about this spirit of unity that we experience together. So no one attending here or watching online, no one should ever feel disconnected. There should be a way for us to understand we're part of this communion of the saints today and always has been. 
It should be that way from the beginning of the church until Jesus comes back. And if you don't have anywhere to go for Thanksgiving dinner, turn to your neighbor and say, man, I'm glad we're family. I have nowhere to go next week. What's your address? Great moment. Grab that and run. And Rick obviously identified, you might be the weirdo going to the family, but that's okay. We're good with that. So if we know it's about servant and we know it's about uh, being family, those are two of the defining words that have all through history tied this church together. What's the third one? And it's this word, mission. Mission. We belong to a greater purpose. And we've lost this somewhere because it's become comfortable in the church community to belong to something that we just attend And as long as we get it into our weekly schedule and we fit it in, then we've completed what it is we feel we're supposed to do. But you see, the difference is when we're talking about a creed and we're talking about belief, we're going, I believe in the communion of the saints. And I believe that's defined by the fact that we are servants, that we are family, and that we are on mission together. And that that's why Christ paid the price for us. Because there are other people that need to know about his love. There are other people that need to find their way back to God. Paul, in that same letter, we've anchored everything around Ephesians chapter 4. He said, just as there's one body and one spirit, you have been called to one glorious hope. And so we realize, and you've heard me say this before, but I want to just stress it again if you're visiting today. Jesus never called the church to be spectators. We've reversed that. Never called us to be spectators. He's called you to be a part of the special ops. Now, I love that kind of imagery, you know, ops, commandos, all that kind of, that's just kind of fun imagery. But it's this opportunity to sign up for activity that's intentional, decisive, quick, and requires skill. And we all have it. And we all have skill and ability that is unique to who we are. Josh is different than me. I'm different than Rick. But together, we all bring something together that serves to the mission just as you do. So I was looking at the scripture, and I was back in the book of Acts, and there's two really um, very insightful texts. On the day that Jesus ascended, he was with the disciples. Remember, he's with everybody for 40 days before he was raised to heaven, ascended to heaven? Okay, just checking. Sometimes interactive church, everybody goes, "Uh, I'm still on the Thanksgiving dinner. I'm good. So just before Jesus ascends, he spent 40 days with everybody. He's on the Mount of Olives, and he commissions them as to what they're supposed to do. And somebody said to Jesus, he goes, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom? And he goes, it's not for you to know the time. That's for the Father to know the day, the hour, the time. But for you, just stay involved in the activity. And then Jesus begins to rise into heaven, and I'm just paraphrasing the text for us here. And as he ascends, they're all enamored, and they're watching. Now, I would too. I mean, that'd be a pretty cool experience watching somebody do that. And they're watching, their gaze is there, and the way Scripture reflects it is their eyes are fixed on heaven, and suddenly two angels appear right beside them. So I'm going to be the gazer, and i got a couple of angels beside me. And the way it's framed, it's like I'm just staring into heaven, and these two angels go, men of Galilee, why are you looking into heaven? This same Jesus, the way that he left, he will appear again. And we often read that, and we pass right over that. But what was implied in the text there? He just gave you a mission. He doesn't want you standing on the Mount of Olives looking into heaven, waiting for him to come back. See, there's eras of the church where we get comfortable in our seats and we're in our lazy boys waiting. Come, Jesus, come. And he goes, no, work, church, work. Because that's what it's all about. We're on mission together, right? 
Thanks, guys. <laughs> Boy, without you two guys, I'd be feeling alone up here. We're, we're, on, we're on mission together. And here's the best part of it. Because we're so uniquely gifted, we're so different, God knows that, and he wants us to use that different connection. Well, fast forward just a couple of days, 10 days. They're all gathered together in prayer, and they're in the upper room. So they're praying. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. So they're praying. There's an outpouring of the Spirit that would be phenomenal by any standards in our day. And if we could have captured that just to see it. And people are observing this, and it says people from the region we're in and from the far out cities we're in town, and they're going, these guys must be drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. What are they doing? They didn't understand what the outpouring of the Spirit was. And the Bible says that Peter got up and the 11 with him, and they went out. They didn't stay in the upper room. He went out and engaged an audience of people that were confused about what was taking place. And he goes, no, listen. This is what God promised was going to happen. And Peter begins to unpack through the power of the Spirit, this message. What was he doing? He was on mission. He got it. He understood something, that until Jesus comes back, the church is about mission. If you want to understand the communion of the saints, it is about serving. It is about family. And it's also about mission and recognizing that we have gifts. And we do. We all have unique gifts. A number of years ago, Laura and I got a chance to go to Hawaii, and uh, we went to a pastor's conference. Tough place to go, right? <laughs> so while we were there, Wayne Cordero, uh, New Hope Church, had arranged to bring pastors from around the world just to come in for a, a conference. And so I was thinking, you know, why not? Hawaii, a great place to go. That's got to be closer to God. And so <laughs> we attended. I didn't know the schedule. And they told us on the Tuesday for the Wednesday, they said, you're getting a 4.30 in the morning wake-up call. And I'm going, why? <laughs> and you're going to get a wake-up call, and we need you down at the bus by 5.30 because Wayne Cordero likes to run in the morning, and you have to go running with Wayne. The I'm conference going, was designed for me. Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking, do you not understand what pastors are? If you ask me to go golfing at 4.30, I'm with you. Running, I'll walk after a ball, but I will not run for no reason. But anyhow, I was part of the conference. So we got up, we did our run, and afterwards Wayne debriefed, and then he sent us on the buses, and we went over to a local rowing club and where they do competition canoe paddling. And he divided up all the teams, and we had about seven boats. He put us into the boats, six people in a boat, had a lead paddlist, a caller at the back of the boat. And he goes, here's what I want you to do. Get in the boats and race, all of you. Now, just picture this. These are all pastors and their wives, most of who have never been on a floating craft in their life. But they're all leaders. And the moment the guy yelled out, he said, ready, set, go. Every paddle hit the water. Those boards were flying all over the place. People were almost being decapitated. Water was flying to the back. Boats were floating sideways and veering off course. I mean, it was total. And all I wanted to do was win. So we're looking to the left. We're looking both ways. We're just trying. And the boat's veering like this. Finally, about three minutes in, they whistled this out. And they said, stop. And then they explained. They said, if you want to perform, you have to do this as a team. Listen to the instructions. Paddle to the left, lift, paddle to the right, mirror the guy at the front of the boat. He's your lead. Mirror him and get in rhythm together. And then they call us back into it again. It, it was amazing. I was an Olympian within 30 seconds. 
Our boat was cutting through that water. We were like sailing along. We were just, and there was just this beautiful cadence of rhythm and harmony. And it was enjoyable, and it wasn't nearly as tiring as it was before when we were beating the water. We got back to shore, and Wayne said, and he had gone through this personal experience in his life. He said, that's the only way I knew to teach a bunch of leaders you need to work as team. And he said, and it's the same thing you need to do with the church because we've forgotten that we're on mission together and we need to serve together as team. And he said, once you realized you knew how to use the oar and mirror the person in front of you, he goes, just think about this. Everybody who's called into the church on mission, you're an oar. And you need to give your service in, your mission in, so that the church can achieve the purpose for which Christ has called it. So as a church community, you'll hear us talk about this over and over. And I, Brampton, you guys... Uh, serving in is just part of, because you're on mission, helping people find their way back. And you got a couple of things that are going on that really fit this. And during these two weeks, it was, some of us could think, well, we don't really know where we're meeting. We don't know what's happening. I guess we just sit back and attend, right? Wrong. <laughs> we are on mission. We believe we've been set in this community for a purpose. So uh, the things that we have planned, we're going to go forward with because we are called to this higher purpose. So our family will continue to meet and serve wherever wherever we need to. And um, we, we had about 50 refugee families that moved into one of the communities which we, which we serve into. And so we had planned this week to uh, purchase a whole bunch of winter supplies and put these winter care packs together. And one of the little guys came into Amanda's office this week, Amanda's a vice principal in one of the schools there, and, and they came up, and they just moved from Sudan and Nigeria. They moved in August, and they said, you were speaking about winter boots that were coming. We're, we're ready for those boots now. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> Poor child. It, it is not cold yet. It is. <laughs> so, so we need those boots, but so we are going to continue to serve just because we don't have a campus to meet at and, and assemble. Jessica and Virginia, they've opened their, their home up. So go to portico.cc slash Brampton and you can see the shopping list. Make sure we need a pair of boots and shoes and winter coats for every one of those kids. Bring them over on Wednesday night and we're going to pack them together. And then later this week, we'll be able to go and deliver um, winter care packs from a church in their community knowing that, hey, somebody cares about you and we don't even know you, but we want you to know that there's a family that, that loves you and not having a, a, a consistent place on Sunday isn't going to stop us from living out that right. mission That's and inviting right. more people into the family. Yeah. One of the things that, well, our mission statement here at Portico is we're all about helping people find their way back to God. One of the incredible ways that Alpha has served into that is that we provide a safe place for people to come and have conversation. And so we've been really excited and stoked about the prospect of launching Alpha for the first time in Brampton. And then when the whole building situation happened, we thought, what are we going to do? Because we were supposed to have it over at the school. Uh, when we met as a, uh, as a serve team on Wednesday night, we were just sharing the challenge with everybody. How do we stay on mission? And so we were so thrilled when we heard that uh, our, one of our elder families, uh, Anthony and Marilena, opened up their home. And so they said, we will host it and we will keep us on point. We will keep us on mission. Uh, and what we're doing is we're inviting the entire church family to come on out, be a part of it, journey through Alpha, experience it for yourself. Because once you experience it on your own, you will realize just how incredible this material is. The videos, the conversation that you have around the table. And our hope is that come January, you will feel inspired and called to say, you know what, I want to invite my friends, my family, my coworkers, my neighbors, other people who may not yet be on a uh, journey of faith yet, 
but would see Alpha as a tool that helps them get to that place. And so if you're interested in being a part of that, we're actually starting this afternoon at 4 o'clock. We're inviting you to be there. So if you would like to come, please join us there. You can come see me after the service. I'll share the information on how to get there. And then journey with us over these next several weeks as we are part of helping people find their way back to God. You know, one of the things that has really marked our church uh, over the years, and, and our staff guys, we talk about this. People walk in, and they love seeing how many people are engaged in mission with us. Sometimes in the church, sometimes outside. But they love seeing how engaged people are. And then the spirit of family, the spirit of unity that we have, and we, we hold that very, very precious. But something that we talk at leader level around here about as pastors is we know that if you only attend... You're missing the most enriching experience of your discipleship journey with Jesus. And to make a creed that says, I believe in the communion of the saints, if you're only a servant and family but you're not on mission, you're missing the most valuable part of that experience. It's always defined the church, and it always will. So we want to make it easy for you. And if you go, well, I'm new, I don't really know how to get connected, I don't know people, I'm a little shy, you can go to your device, you can go to portico.cc slash serve. Very simple. You can go there, look through a menu of options and say, that's how I'd like to get involved. And if you do that, we'll follow up with you. No pressure. Or you can take out a connect card right from in front of you there and you can just put your name and your email address and hand that in Give it to us at the information center, hand it to one of us as leaders, and just go, here's an area I'd like to get involved in. I just don't know what the next step is. We'll help you take the next step. It's not for what you can do for Portico. It's what you can do for the mission. It's helping people find their way back to God. And whether you're a Sunday school teacher or you're an usher, a greeter, whether you're in the parking lot, whether you're doing hospitality, food preparation, we do it all together. And then together we do it as a family. We do it because we love to be servants for God. And we love the win. And the win is when people say yes to Jesus. Watch this video. Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page, and you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 10.10 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC.